You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Last week, our summary sentence was in order to to fight our tendency to covet the things of this world, we should pause and consider our giving habits regularly to ensure we are faithfully using what God has entrusted to us for his glory and the good of others. Because there's no mandated amount to give, I believe, in the New Testament, we must responsibly evaluate our time, our talents, and our resources regularly to ensure we are faithfully stewarding God's gifts for his glory. If it was just a percentage thing, then we could always be locked into that percentage every year, no matter what we're making, no matter what our gross income is. We could, we could constantly just plug in a formula and say, this is how much I'm supposed to give away. But I believe in the New Testament, there's a, a mandate to give cheerfully, to give uh, based off of what's been worked out with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, what we're convicted to give. And so that should be a regular thing that we're evaluating. It shouldn't be a one-time sit down with your spouse or sit down as, a, as an individual, look at your budget and say, okay, I'm going to give this amount away. That it's to be a regular thing that we go back to to make sure that we're faithfully stewarding well the things that God has entrusted to us. And so we looked at some things last week, some benefits to giving, that it does help solve the coveting issue within our hearts that as we give away, it's a way that we actively fight against our desires to covet and to, um, to become selfish with the things that God has given to us. And I challenged you last week that um, there's some questions that we can work through as a, as a church family, as individuals, to determine if we're faithfully doing what we're supposed to do with our finances. We talked about, um, is there anything that we can't afford because as a Christ follower, we're spending our money elsewhere? If we evaluate other people in our income bracket and, and what they're spending their money on, does our life look any different? Uh, would people call what we do with our money being generous? If they had insight into your account to see where your money's going, would you fall into the descriptive category of one who is generous with his money? And then some things that uh, we talked about last week, how can we guard against covetousness? How are you actively fighting that in your own life? Um, and then we kind of ended it with us under the consideration that if we try to send people to Uganda to plant a church, it's going to take sacrifice on a, on a handful of people who go, they're going to sell everything. They're going to move away, leave family and friends that there's also going to have to be a sacrifice on, on the part of those that stay, that we're going to have to increase the amount that we give to ensure that they're supported and can function the way that they need to over there. So we're going to continue to talk about that in the coming weeks as we get closer to um, our new budget for next year. Um, so I want to continue to encourage you to think through uh, some of those things. Today, though, for our summary sentence, uh, we go back to Genesis 14 one more time uh, to examine uh, what we're calling today the danger of becoming rich. The danger of becoming rich in our summary sentence for today, because scripture warns us that money has the capability of leading us away from the faith, we should give great consideration to the level of protection we establish in our life to ensure this never happens. Okay, so there are passages that we're going to look at today that, that, that demonstrate to us the possibility of money uh, creeping into our life in such a way that it would cause us to fall away from the faith. And so because of that possibility, because of that warning, we want to give great consideration to the level of protection that we place into our life to ensure that never happens. Okay? Um, the dangers of becoming rich. In, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 22, Abram's talking to the king of Sodom and it says, But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high. 
possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Now, in this context, Abram has taken proactive measures in his life, and I believe that he resolved before he ever left to go fight that whatever spoils came from that victory, he was not going to keep for himself. Because he was under the, the assumption that if he were to keep those things, that God would not receive the glory because others could say, I've made that individual rich. Now, I don't know any of us that are in that type of situation where we're having to turn away riches from somebody because we don't want God to not get the glory for it, okay? None of us have, have anybody trying to hand us over just large amounts of money, okay? So for us, so Abram had a, had a reason to protect himself about getting rich. He says, I don't want to get rich off of this because I don't want God to lose the glory for it. For us, I think we, we step back and say, okay, is there anything that, that, that uh, we should consider in regards to this? We look to the New Testament. We see some of these passages that warn us of the dangers of becoming rich. And so I believe it causes us another reason to pause today and say, okay, what does the word have to say to me in regards to money, specifically the increase of money in my life? And it warns us that money has the capability of leading some away from the faith we should give great consideration to how we're going to protect ourselves, okay? Um, we, we looked at this question already in our small group time this morning. How could money cause me to wander from the faith? So that's kind of the question that we're trying to answer this morning. How could money cause me, how could it cause an individual to wander from the faith? We're going to start by briefly looking at three passages that share a little bit of insight about this, okay? So in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I put there in our notes, if it becomes a master I serve, it will cause me to leave my true master. Okay, so Jesus warns those that are following them, following him, that you can't serve both, that a decision has to be made, um, who's going to be my master. So money has the capability of leading us away because it becomes our master and it causes us to leave our true master. Okay, Proverbs eleven twenty eight. another passage it says whoever trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf if it becomes my source of security i will never find rest or contentment Proverbs eleven twenty eight warns about trusting in something that is ultimately not secure there's other passages in scripture that talk about the uh the insecurity of riches and how we can't uh, we can't bank our security on riches because they can fluctuate. They can be taken away from us. And so if our riches becomes our source of security, ultimately we never find rest or contentment. We're always striving to get more. We're always striving to protect ourselves further because our whole security is wrapped up in the amount of money in our bank account. We never find true rest. See, for the believer, when we come to rest in the fact that God is sovereign, that he's in control, that he has good intent for his children, 
then we can rest. We can rest in that contentment of knowing that he's going to take care of our needs. And then it frees us. We talked about previously in, in this uh, section that we've been preaching through. It frees us to a godly abandonment where we can just simply focus on doing the things that he's called us to do without that constant worry, anxious type mindset of how to take care of ourselves. That's where Abram fell into that trap when he went to Egypt, that I've got to self-preserve in this situation, that I, that I can't worry about being honest and being a man of integrity. I might lose my life in this situation. So he lies and he deceives. He's concerned about taking care of himself. Then we see when he and Lot and his people are arguing over the land, he's willing to give up everything. Just take it, Lot. If it's going to cause division, just take it. We'll go live over here in the less desirable land. God's going to take care of us. Okay? If it becomes my source of security, I never find rest or contentment. And then the last passage that we'll look at, uh, both of these are, are, very, are both accounts of the same, the same uh, story. So we'll just look at Mark chapter 4, verse 19. This is the, the sower parable that Jesus tells. And in Mark 4, 19, he says specifically to us, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. All right? If, if um, our riches become our focus, it leaves no room for spiritual growth. We're going to talk about this a little bit more as we get into this today. When, when riches becomes our focus, making money, using the money that we've made, it oftentimes leaves very little room for spiritual growth. Because what we find in our efforts to pursue money and to increase our riches, it, it, it uh, almost all the time causes us to squeeze out the time that was set aside for, for spiritual advancement. That in order to get ahead, in order to get the things that we desire, the things that we covet, in order to increase what we are making, oftentimes it leads to a more busy schedule that naturally forces us to have to push away that other master that Jesus talks about. You can't serve both. Okay, So if it becomes my focus, it leaves no room for spiritual growth. That's what he describes there. It chokes it out. It chokes it out. Both can't survive there. The word on top of the desire of, for riches, it can't both coexist in the same ground. There's not enough time, there's not enough space for both to thrive. Okay, So those are some general passages that I think point us in a direction for understanding how money could lead us to, to wander from the faith. But we're going to look at some specific passages um, this morning as well. And so what I want us to do now is to turn to um, Hebrews chapter 3. All right, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Now, we're going to look at three different passages, and if you've got the sermon notes in front of you, you're going to see, we're going to look at each passage and see the danger that's communicated in that passage. We're going to see the enemy that ultimately causes that danger to be a reality in our life, and then we're going to see the solution that each, each passage offers to us. So we're going to do this for three different passages to help point us to a direction for answer to that question, how could money possibly lead me to wander from the faith? 
And then ultimately in these passages, seeing how we can prevent that from ever happening in our life. Okay. Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 through 14 says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it, as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if, we, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Okay, let's start with the dangers here. I think that there are potential dangers that the author of Hebrews communicates to us that we want to look after. Okay, we're going to use... Some different color coding here to highlight this for us. Okay, um, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. All right, there's a couple of dangers there that I think the author wants us to highlight. First of all, there's the possibility of an unbelieving heart. Okay, an unbelieving heart. Now we've talked a lot recently about how necessary it is. For us to believe the promises of God if we're going to persevere in the faith. Okay, so this connects directly with what we've been talking about. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. A heart that stops believing in the precious promises of God. Okay, you remember we saw in First Peter that it's the precious promises that we know through God's word that keeps us unstained from the world. That protects us from the world, okay? This is another passage that's dealing with that. If we, if we have an unbelieving heart, then we see the second danger. Then it leads us to falling away from the, from the living God or falling away from the faith. Okay, so these are dangers that exist for us. The, the, the author of Hebrews is warning us. Be on guard for an unbelieving heart. Be on guard about falling away from the living God. Those are the dangers. That's kind of the end result. This is what could happen in your life. An unbelieving heart falling away from the living God. Now we're going to talk in our C groups and part of the question uh, that you're going to further study, is this proposing the idea that one could lose their salvation? Okay, we're going to wrestle with that topic. Um, the answer is no. Okay, but feel free to study it and then come to that same conclusion. But just so nobody leaves wondering if I believe that, no. So, God uses warnings like this to make sure that we don't fall away from the faith, okay? So he proposes the possibility to rein us back in so that true believers don't, okay? So question number one is already answered for you. Um, two dangers here, though. The possibility of an unbelieving heart, the possibility of falling away from the living God. Now, what's the enemy that would cause these dangers to happen in our life? What's the enemy that would potentially cause us to have an unbelieving heart to fall away from the living god there are two dangers i think that are communicated here um first of all we see exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin okay the enemy for us is the deceitfulness of sin okay we're reminded once again that sin is deceitful that Satan uses temptation in our life to deceive us, to confuse us about reality. He did that with Adam and Eve. He continues to do that today. Okay? For us to have an unbelieving heart, for us to fall away from the faith, it would, it would involve us being deceived by sin. And then it would also lead to us being hardened 
that our hearts would become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, so there's some dangers here for us. The danger of an unbelieving heart, the danger of falling away from the faith. What enemies are there that would lead us to those dangers? Deceiving sin that would ultimately lead to hardened hearts. A hardened heart is one that stops believing the promises of God. A hardened heart is one that has started to believe the deceit of sin. Okay? My heart becomes hardened because I'm now believing in something different. So now I have an unbelieving heart towards God, which will then ultimately result in me falling away from the living God. Okay? So we've got some dangers here. We've got some enemies that we identify. Okay? But then there's solution for us in this passage. How do we, how do we not become this type of person? How do, we become the, how do we not become the person that's deceived by sin, that is hardened by that sin, to where we stop believing and we fall away? There's two things, I think, that, that the author really highlights for us. Okay? He really wants us to, to hone in on the fact that we're called to take care. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. There's some personal responsibility, I believe, here. Okay? It's nobody else's fault. If you're being deceived by sin, okay, you have personal responsibility to guard yourself and protect yourself. He says, take care, brothers. So all of us are to be on alert that there's the possibility of an unbelieving heart springing up in us, falling away from the living God. Because if we're not careful, we'll be deceived by sin and our hearts become hardened to sin, hardened to the to the goodness of the gospel so that we could come to church. We could still come regularly and it falls on hard soil doesn't doesn't penetrate. Okay, so take care, brothers, individually. Take care so that this doesn't happen. And then there's corporate responsibility. He says, exhort one another. Exhort one another. Every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in the Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Okay, that idea down there, holding fast to, uh, to our original confidence uh, holding fast, sorry, holding our original confidence firm to the end. That that carries back to the idea of what we've already stated up here, the idea of falling away. Okay? So what this passage is teaching us is that there's some real danger that we're to be on guard against. We don't want to reach the point where our heart is, is unbelieving, where we're, we're thinking about walking away from the faith. Now, this isn't tied specifically to riches. This is just in general. That sin deceives. It hardens our hearts to where we stop believing. And that last step is falling away. Okay, so we want to avoid that. How do we avoid that? We take care and we exhort one another. Now, for our C group discussion, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, the questions that I want you to wrestle with... um, one, is this teaching that we can lose our salvation or not lose our salvation? And, and the reasoning, and, and I want you to answer the why. So I told you that, that the answer is no. It's not teaching that we can really lose our salvation. Why is it not teaching that though? Okay, so, so wrestle with that question. But then the other two questions, what does it mean? What are some specific things that we personally can do to take care? To take care of ourselves individually to make sure this doesn't happen. Okay, and then secondly, what does it mean for us to exhort one another? To keep this from happening in our lives individually. Okay, so I want you, we're not gonna we're not gonna go so far into this passage that I give you that insight. We're gonna talk about that in our C groups.
personal responsibility, corporate responsibility to guard and protect from this happening in our church. Okay? So again, this is a general passage, general passage that, that warns us falling away from the faith that in order to not do that, there's some things that have to happen in our life. Okay? Um, let's look at Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The dangers of Hebrews 13. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For you said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Some dangers that I think are implied here when he calls us to, to be content. What he's wanting to guard against, what the author is wanting to guard against is discontentment. Okay. So there's a danger here that we might become discontent as believers. So there's a danger that exists there in that passage for us. As we're reading through this, we're reading through Hebrews, studying Hebrews. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay. The second danger that I think is really being communicated here is the danger of leaving God. And you say that doesn't, doesn't really say that. It doesn't, but I believe it's implied because the author reminds us that God isn't leaving, right? That God's not forsaking, God's not leaving, and it reminds us that the only one that would leave would be us. And we would leave because of discontentment, right? We, we wander away from things because of discontentment. Typically, you can trace any type of, uh, of, of sinful wandering back to a discontentment with what was previously given, you could plug in any type of sinful situation there, and, and most likely it's tied to some type of discontentment, right? Adam and Eve were discontent with the fruit that was given to them, so they wandered to a different tree, okay? So, so Scripture is telling us here to keep our life free from the love of money, be content with what we have, for he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's the possibility of discontentment here. There's the possibility of leaving God that, that, that exists for us as a danger that needs to be considered. Now, what's the enemy that's being discussed here? The enemy here, I believe, is the love of money. Right? He's telling us to keep our life free from that. Keep your life free from the love of money. Why? Because if we love money, it, leaves, it leads to discontentment. Right? We, we, we start loving money and loving riches. It leads us to be discontent. We can't get enough. Okay? And then ultimately, it, leaves, uh, it leads us to leave him, I believe. It leads us to wander from the living God. So the solution in this passage that's offered, the solution for us is to find security and contentment in God rather than money, right? We are called to keep our life free from it, which means we ought to put something else there. So our, our security... That's security, it's hard to read it. Our contentment, not even spelled right. John Piper's better at this than me. Um, in God, not money. Good. That's what it says. That's what it says. All right. So, again, the dangers here, 
discontentment, the possibility of wandering from the faith, leaving God, the danger that, that would, the, that's the danger, the enemy that would lead us in that direction is a love of money. How do we guard that? How do we protect against that? We keep the love of money out of our life. Instead, we find our security and contentment in God, not in our money. Okay? Um, let's move to the third passage here. And this is broken up into three sections for us. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. And then 17 through 19. All right, 1 Timothy 1, verses 6 through 10, it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay, so we take those other two passages and they point us to this passage and give us some additional insight into how to understand this passage. Okay, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. This craving leads some to wander from the faith. Okay, uh, let's see some dangers here. In 1 Timothy chapter 6. First of all, I think you could write down uh, that it creates temptation and trouble in one's life. The desire to be rich. So going back to that danger of being rich. It creates temptation and trouble in one's life. Where do we see that? It says those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Into a snare. And into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Alright, so the second one would be ruin and destruction. When we pursue riches and we fall in love with money and fall in love with riches, it increases temptation in our life. Temptation that wasn't there before is now introduced because Paul says those who desire to be rich fall into this type of temptation. Into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So we have ruin and destruction being kind of a second danger that exists for us in desires to be rich. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Okay, so not only is the issue that we love money, but when we pursue a love of money, it creates more evil in our life is what Paul's saying here. The love of money is a root of all kinds of other evils that start to spring up in our life. And it's through that type of craving that some have wandered from the faith. So our last danger for us is wandering away from the faith. Okay, so the love of money, riches. Abram says, I don't want to be rich. I don't want God to lose the glory for what he's going to give me. For us, we step back and say, okay, what do we want to guard against being rich for? Well, because it creates temptation and senseless and harmful desires that can ultimately lead to ruin and destruction if we're not careful. It, it, it becomes a root for other kinds of evils in our life if we're not careful. And if we're not careful, it causes us to wander away from the faith. Okay, so some dangers. What's the enemy here in this passage? It's a desire for riches, is what Paul tells us. A desire to be rich is what leads to these things. And then secondly, a love of money. 
Desire to be rich and a love for money leads to increased temptation in our life, the possibility of ruin and destruction. It starts to become a root for other kinds of evils that we can experience. And it could ultimately cause us to wander from the faith. All right. What solution then is offered for us? And we find the solution in the next passage in 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. It says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The solution for us, first of all, is to flee these things. Right? We're to flee which things? The desire to be rich, the love for money. We flee that. Okay? We're on guard against it. Not that being rich always leads to sin. Not that having money always leads to ruin and destruction. But because there's a, a real danger in those things, we're on guard against it. Okay? And we, we seek to flee those things. Okay, but it's not just about fleeing. The Christian life is not about just the things that we don't do. Right. It's about the things that we do actively pursue. And so it's not just about fleeing those wrongful desires. It's about um, it's about pursuing something. Right. He gives us a list of things to pursue. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. We fight against the wrong desires, ultimately by focusing on eternity. Right? He says, take hold of the eternal life. So we flee this desire to, to pursue things here. And Paul reminds Timothy, he says, take hold of the things that are to come. Things that you were called to. Take hold of that, that good life. Take hold of the eternal life. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Okay, so the idea, the solution here continues. It says um, that they are to, to not be haughty, not set their hopes on the uncertainty of God, but uh, are on riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So part of the solution for us then is to focus on God and to see him as our source of joy. That, that it's not the riches, it's not the things that this world has to offer, that it's God who provides us with everything to enjoy. So he's our source of joy. Okay, That leads us away from these wrong desires to pursue riches. But there are people that can can kind of flee these desires and yet God still continues to increase the amount of wealth that they have, right? So it's not just that, that money's wrong, it's the love of money, it's the pursuit of money, but for some, they just work hard and God continues to provide riches for them. And so there's instructions here for the rich in this present age. It's not, hey, those that, have, that are rich, they need to get rid of everything because being rich is bad. No, it's as for the rich in this present age, Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. So don't find your security in it. Find your hope in God. But for those that have riches, they are to do good. 
to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So one of the things that I put in my notes is that we're to use riches wisely for others. Right? They're to do good. They're to be rich in good works. They're to be generous and ready to share. So we're to use those things wisely for others. God gives it to some. We have different income uh, in our church based on each family. God provides more for some than he does for others. That's just how it works. And God says, for those that are rich, those that find themselves in a position where you are classified as rich, you have some responsibility. Do good with the riches that God has given to you. Use them wisely for others. Because by giving your riches away and using them wisely, Paul tells us storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly Take hold of what is truly life. So in my notes I put, enjoy life as it was meant to be enjoyed. Enjoy life as it was meant to be enjoyed. These are some of the solutions that are offered in this passage. We guard ourselves against a pursuit of riches because it has the possibility of introducing such dangerous things into our life. We fight against that by pursuing the right things. And then for those that continue to have riches on top of pursuing the right things... We're called to use those things wisely, to be generous and ready to share them to others. Why? So that we store up treasure for, them, for ourselves as a good foundation for the future, so we can take hold of what is truly life. Okay, so those are three passages that I think have a lot to say to us about the dangers of becoming rich. So going back to that original question, um, how could money cause us to wander from the faith? And the answer to that question is I begin to work harder for money than I do for sanctification. And the fruit of that labor continually leads me further into this world and further away from the world to come. See, in order to pursue riches, I have to put a lot of attention and effort into that. And like I said earlier, it typically means that we stop putting as much effort into the spiritual side of things. Because God says we can't serve both. So if I begin to work harder for money than I do for sanctification, what am I going to produce in my life? Not spiritual things, instead earthly things. So the fruit of my labor is going to be material things. And so as I work hard and produce material things, that fruit is going to eventually lead me further into this world and further away from the world to come. So money is a dangerous thing for us because if we're pursuing it, then we're most likely not pursuing the other things that are listed for us in 1 Timothy 6. We're not pursuing the sanctification, the eternal life that we're called to. Instead, we're pursuing joy here in this life. And if we're not careful, it causes us to have an unbelieving heart, as Hebrews 3, as Hebrews 3 says. Because now, why would, I, why would I find the promises of things to come precious when I'm enjoying the precious things of this world now? And so I stop trusting in the promises of God. I start believing in the promises of sin and the deceitfulness of sin. And then it springs up all types of evil in my life. Never being content, always wanting more, that covetousness type mindset. At times that leads to dishonesty with my money in order to gain more. That I'm not content to just work hard for it. Now I want to kind of beat the system to increase, to increase my fruit here. 
and it potentially leads us to wander from the faith. Okay? Um, I felt like it was important for us to, to look at these passages and to talk about this this morning. Again, because of our summary sentence. So going back to that, because Scripture warns us that money has the capability of leading us away from the faith, we should give great consideration to the level of protection we establish in our life to ensure this never happens. Okay? So again, to take this further, what I want you to do over the next week and a half is to study Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. What does it mean for us to take care? So I'm not giving you the application today. I'm not telling you do this, do this, do this. Except for the fact that I'm telling you to go study Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 so that we can further look at how this applies to us individually. How do we take care to make sure that our heart doesn't stop believing and is deceived by sin, specifically the sin of a love for money and the pursuit of riches here? How do we guard against that as, 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 a, as a means of taking care individually? And then how do we exhort one another? What does it mean for us to exhort each other to that type of mindset as well? How do we protect each other from being deceived and hardened by sin to where it would cause us to wander from the faith? Okay? Um, I think this is important because Scripture says that this could happen. Um, But I believe what Scripture says is that through these warnings, it won't happen. That we will hold fast. That we will be confident in, in, the, in the hope that God has given us. And we won't wander from the faith. And so we'll unpack that as we get into Hebrews 3. Hopefully you can help us unpack that in our group discussion with our C groups in the next uh, week and a half. So I want to encourage you to spend some time studying that. Spend some time studying what that means and, and why it's not presenting the possibility of us losing our salvation. But it is reaffirming the fact that if we're truly saved we will see this happen in our life. We won't be the one that starts to, to um, have that unbelieving heart that becomes hardened to sin. Okay? Um, this, again, ties in with where we're going as a church, that, that we've got to get into the type of mindset that we can let go of some things that we've been holding on to, right? We're calling some people in our church to let go of everything and to move to Uganda to establish a church plant there. Right? This is, this is the, the initial phase of that. We're sending people to help Chris with the hopes of a church springing up from this effort. Some people are going to sell everything and, and leave. They're going to resolve in their minds that the riches that this world has to offer, the experiences that this world has to offer, the birthdays, the weddings that will be missed because they leave here to go there. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna say yes to the eternal thing. They're going to hold to those, those eternal things, that foundation of eternity, and say, okay, we're letting go of everything and we're going. But for those that stay, they can't make that sacrifice unless we too make sacrifice. There's going to be some things that we have to stop spending our money on to free up additional money to send them. And we saw last week that's appropriate. It's the right thing to do in the New Testament that we're to see people that have given their life to the gospel and say, that's where my money needs to go. Now, I was, I was encouraged because I had several people uh, contact me after last week and say, hey, that really hit home for me, and I'm working through some changes in my life, our family's life, to, to apply some of the things that were talked about. Remember, I told you last week, I, I stopped counting, but there's, there's at least 20 families, 20 head of the households represented in our church right now from a membership standpoint. All 20 of them committed to come up with an additional $1,000 to give over the next year, then we can send these people. $1,000 is a lot for some families, for some individuals. On top of what you're already giving to come up with an additional $1,000 for the year, it's a lot. 
But when you start considering some things that can be cut out, things that really aren't needs that could be cut out, then you start to find some money that you didn't realize was there. I challenged you last week. We're going to have people that are going to make some big sacrifices to go. Don't think we can send them unless we're willing to make some sacrifices here as well. To take into account some of the things that we've seen this morning. To not be those that love riches and love the things of this world. To believe that there are better things that are coming. To believe that this world is not what offers us our ultimate joy. To let go of some things for an eternal foundation that we pursue. All right? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you've been teaching us in Genesis. And God, I'm thankful that we could take some time over the last two weeks to just step back and pause and reflect a little bit about how we're handling money in our own life. God, I pray that we would be on guard and alert and aware that there are some dangers when it comes to making money. That if we're not careful, sin deceives us. And our hearts start to to fall in love with the things that you're blessing us with. God, we don't want to be guilty of of being individuals that, that love the gift more than the giver. Father, we want to we find our joy and contentment in you and in the promises that you've made to us that you will always take care of our needs, that you're a good God that has good intent for us. Father, constantly remind us that we already possess the types of things that many would spend countless dollars to obtain that we have forgiveness of our sins, that we have hope and promise of eternal life. God, we thank you for the great spiritual blessings that we could never put a dollar figure on that you've given to us freely. Father, give us the resolve to examine our budgets and our spending habits, to see some of the things that, that we're currently considering a need in our life that maybe isn't really that big of a need. Things that we could say no to so that we can say yes to the work that you want to do in Uganda. Father, I pray that you would challenge us. Challenge us to, to, uh, to not serve our money, but to have our money serve us. That we would be generous and ready to share, ready to, to abound in every good work for you. God, help us to use our money for your glory. Give us wisdom and insight to know how to do that. God, guard us and protect us from unbelieving hearts. God, help us to cherish the great promises that you've given us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.